to The Business of Being Brilliant, where I explore the human side of work. I talk to business leaders, academics, authors and other experts about what's helped them to work at their best and how we can create organisations where everyone can flourish. I'm your host, Helen Beedham, organisational expert, speaker and award-winning author of the Amazon best-selling business book, The Future of Time. You'll find the show notes at helenbeedham.com where you can also sign up for my insights into the latest work trends, plus some exclusive offers to help you flourish at work and home. Now, let's crack on with this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this fourth episode in the seventh series of The Business of Being Brilliant. I'm recording this brief weekly update a few days before this episode airs, and we are officially into February. How are you feeling about that? Are you upbeat because March and therefore spring are just four weeks away? Or are you one of the many people who say that February is the most depressing month of the year? I am a big February advocate for many reasons, including pancakes, birthday celebrations, I am a February baby, and the school half-term break, which gives us an excuse to squeeze some family fun time and even a change of scene into the routine. Let me know what you love about February. I'm feeling it's a much maligned month and we can definitely change that. If this is the first time you've tuned into the podcast, then welcome. Thanks for joining us. And I hope the business of being brilliant becomes a regular feature in your podcast library. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. And I hope this week's conversation sparks a few ideas or helps you make sense of a challenge in your work life or inspires you to bring about positive change in your organisation. And if you were listening last week, you'll know that my guest Brian Elliott and I were discussing how to figure out new ways of working so that people can do their best work and the businesses can succeed. Brian said that every ounce of energy you put into debating a policy about the number of days a week that you're required in the office is only detrimental to your business. And guess what? A recent study of 137 public companies in the US who issued return to office mandates found that those companies actually performed worse the non-mandate companies, and their employees scored their work-life balance, job satisfaction and quality of leadership lower. Brian went on to say that giving people flexibility in when they work and giving them more heads-down focus time drives up productivity much more than giving them freedom over location of work. And I couldn't agree more. In my time Intelligent Teams workshops, I help teams to identify how to work smarter, not harder. And often it's about freeing up some focused time, agreeing when they need to come together for quality collaboration or development and streamlining work processes. To drive up productivity in your business and have a happier, healthier team, then get in touch at hello at helenbeedham.com to find out more about my workshops. And there's a link to the workshop flyer in the show notes. 
There's also the opportunity to get some advice at my free half-hour webinar this Thursday, the 8th of February, starting at 12 noon GMT. It's on fewer hours, better results, and I'll show how applying some time intelligence will help you channel your own or your team's work effort into the most important tasks so you can make faster progress without flopping with fatigue. The registration link is in the show notes, so get a wiggle on, book your place, and I'll see you there. If you're a working parent or carer, or you have working parents and carers in your team, then you'll know that it can feel particularly hard to progress your career without working yourself into the ground. And you might not feel confident that you can be a senior leader and, at the same time, be a happy, present parent. My guest this week knows all about that challenge and is winning awards for her innovative programme that gets more parents into the top roles in their organisations. Have a listen. I'm delighted to welcome Verena Hefty, MBE, as my guest this week. Verena is the CEO and founder of the award-winning social enterprise Leaders Plus, which she set up to support leaders with babies and young children in progressing their careers. Verena believes that helping parents to fulfil ambitious career dreams is essential to achieving gender equality at the top and closing the gender pay gap. She's won several awards for her work at Leaders Plus, including the Prime Minister's Points of Light Award and an MBE for Services to Equality in 2022. Verena is a self-confessed career development geek and spends a lot of her spare time reading about the science behind career progression. She also hosts her own podcast called Big Careers, Small Children, which provides inspiration and fresh ideas for working parents. Before Leaders Plus, Verena ran leadership development programmes and events for 10 years in Switzerland, Denmark and the UK, including at Teach First. She graduated with an MA with distinction in social anthropology from the University of Manchester, where she specialised in gender equality. Welcome to the business of being brilliant, Verena. Great to be here. Oh, I'm really delighted you could join us. I'm really looking forward to talking to you about your career and about all that you do at Leaders Plus to support working parents. Many, many congratulations on your MBE. I'm imagining that was a really big moment for you to find out you'd been awarded that and then to go and presumably participate in a ceremony to collect it? Or? Yeah, so it was actually really funny. I almost would have missed out on it because it was during the pandemic and I got an email saying, can I please fill out this form with lots of personal data because I've been awarded an MBE? And I thought it was spam and I mentioned it in passing to my partner saying, how sophisticated uh, a lot of scammers are these days and I'm sure a lot of people will fall for this particular scam and and he said well actually maybe you should check and you should ring the cabinet office to find out if it is true and I said what you're kidding surely not but I did eventually at his insistence and it was true and it wasn't a scam so it was a really nice surprise and to this day I still don't know who put me forward. It's usually a group of people put you forward. So someone has the idea and then others write letters. I know one person who wrote the letter to support the nomination, mm. but I have still got no idea who put me forward. So somewhere in the world, there's a really kind, well, a kind group of people who who wanted to recognize me, which is very, very sweet and, and very kind. 
Yeah, it must give you a really warm glow, not just the fact that your work has been recognised with an MBE, but the fact, as you say, that people have to nominate you, support your nomination, give time and effort to that. And the fact that people take the trouble to do that must in some way tell you that you've made a really positive impact with your work, that people care about this so much. Mm. It is true. I mean, you know this, running an organisation is never easy and there are much easier ways to spend your time. But even just last week, I was out with our fellows, as in the parents on our programmes, a fair bit because they all came towards the end of their programme. And so many of them used the word life-changing. And I even told one of my team, like, did you feed them that word? Because we actually are tracking <laughs> how many people randomly tell us it's been life-changing. We don't even ask them in the evaluation because that would be very arrogant. But we do track it. And and this time it's been so many people and that really gets me going. I don't enjoy tax file accounting to HMRC, which now we're recording this in December. So I'm spending my time doing that type of admin thing. I really don't enjoy that. And I often wish I don't have to do these less enjoyable aspects but it is so, so rewarding. Yeah, yeah. And, and... I'm sure. And that's wonderful to hear firsthand the impact that your programmes have on people who join it. And I'm totally with you on the whole. doesn't float your boat doing the financial returns and VAT returns. We're definitely, as we're recording this at that time of year, where all those things <laughs> are looming. But we all have things we don't love in our work lives that we just have to knuckle down and get on and do without too much procrastination. So t- for listeners... Tell us how you came to set up Leaders Plus. What was the spark of the idea and what was it like launching Leaders Plus? How easy or difficult was it to make that happen? Well, it was super difficult and nearly didn't happen. But so before doing this, I was a director at the charity Teach First and I was pregnant, had my baby, intended to go back to teach first. I'm quite a risk-averse person. I'm not a natural social entrepreneur. So I would have gone back. But issue is that when I had my first baby, I suddenly felt really alone because none of my friends seemed to still be really passionate about their careers. And then maybe it's just that I landed in a strange group of parent friends, but somehow everyone kept talking about nappies and nap times which is important obviously it was also important to me but I just felt like I haven't pushed my ambition out with my baby at all and I felt a bit I felt really unsettled and a bit angry as well and then I thought let me read some stats and research around just to give me hope that actually you can progress a career and still be senior with children and sadly what I found is really bad the gender pay gap starts widening exactly at the age when people have children until then until the age of 31 it's roughly it's still there but it's a few percentage points then in the 30s between 30 and 40 that's when it really starts widening and that's where you then have a 14 percent or so gender pay gap in the uk and and that's because people don't get to the well-paid senior roles as in especially mothers sorry to digress into the data but anyways i got quite I'm emotional. I also was slightly hormonal, obviously, after the first baby. <laughs> so I could continue as well. I was like, oh my goodness. I was in this massive, yeah, almost a turmoil. And so I thought, I, I must find some people who are like me. And I came up with this idea of having an event where we brought really in- interesting leaders who have lifted the tail of bringing up a family, but also being in really senior decision-making roles. 
So I got a few people like Geraldine Strasti, OBE and Karen Blackett, who was the CEO of Mediacom at the time, to share their stories. But I didn't find a venue and all the companies I approached, they all said no and obviously babies and offices was a bad idea and actually parents wouldn't even want to come. However, again, actually my partner inspired me to ask my local MP who did say, yes, you can have a room in the House of Commons. And I said, all right, that's good enough. So we had 40 leaders with 60 babies in a room in the House of Commons, which was really great fun and very inspiring. And I was going to leave it after that and just go back to my enjoyable job. But then a lot of people told me, well, actually, there's something in that. We need to provide more support for working parents. And so I started scoping things out and testing ideas, spent a lot of time on the phone to lots of people to understand what what is it that working parents need and key things like the support of your partner, if you happen to have one, your line manager, understanding how you work, how you progress your career without working yourself into the ground, which I know you're doing a lot of thinking on workload issues all those things like what are the problems we're trying to solve and then design the program based on my leadership development program background from before around that but yeah I mean obviously parents generally were all really up for it and really passionate about it it was harder to find employers who thought this was important and I think that's where I'm saying that was the hard bit I was going to ask you that. It sounded like the initial impetus came from the individuals you spoke to and about their own experiences of having children and when they were maybe at mid to senior points in their career and and the impact and perhaps frustrations they felt career-wise around that. And I I was going to ask you, at what point did you then start to engage with employers around this? Because I know a lot of work has been done over recent years to highlight the particular challenge that working parents face and to try and encourage employers to offer a lot of support. I used to work very much in that space in my previous role at what was City Parents now, Work Life Central. So, and I know there's lots of different organisations, so I guess in, in some way you're also trying to find the niche for, your, for Leaders Plus that's going to provide very specific support or a way of getting that across to people that mm. hasn't been, isn't already being done, is that right? Did you have to try and figure that out with employers as well Mm, the niche was always clear so our unique contribution is that we're experts in getting parents mainly mothers but not only to more senior levels so it's a very very niche thing in that and that is what helps to close the gender pay gap Mm. i think it was more and maybe you found this in your previous role as well is that a lot of employers will say things about gender equality And actually, you need to work really hard to find the ones, the individuals within employers who are really honestly behind it and will put their money where their mouth is and put actually give this support to parents in their organizations. And I think what I found is it's never the big conglomerate. So we have some really big names that are working with us, BT, Santander, Salvation Army. But it's usually it's individuals within those organizations, within HR, learning development who really understand and who are change makers within those organizations mm. who understand that things need to change, that we need more gender equality in senior leadership and that 
mothers getting stalled in their careers is a root cause and they want to drive a change. So it's usually, we work with quite radical, I hope nobody's listening to this and then stops working with us, but I think we work with quite radical people generally within that. And I think that was the big thing. We have a lot of data around retention and so on. And the stats are really good. 60% of people that have been on our program have been promoted, even though they're mostly working flexible. That's all good. But actually it's about connecting to these change makers internally. Yes, that's really interesting to hear. And I would totally agree. It just takes even just one senior influential and super committed individual Mm. to get support off the ground and to get this on the agenda in an organisation. So tell us a bit more about the programme then that people can participate on, your fellows. So tell us about who comes on the programme. So what do they learn? What do they talk about on the programme? Yeah, so... Generally, people are managers, senior managers, directors in their first director type role. And they are selected really tightly looking at, do they want to progress their careers? Have they got the potential to do so? Do they find having children as a challenge or a barrier? And then we also look at, are they willing to invest in the peer group? Because without showing off, our programs are really, really good. The content is excellent. The facilitators are excellent, but actually all that is negligible what really matters is that the people are unique so we've always been quite clear on recruiting people who are willing to invest in each other and we interview people even which you wouldn't usually do for this size of a program and then over the nine months they identify they look at their assumptions of what what they think is holding them back and what it really is and how to overcome those barriers they write a vision or draw or whatever. They, they think really deeply with their peers about what they want to achieve for family life, for careers. They look at research of what causes career progression because it's quite often not the hard work. I mean, nothing against hard work, but that is not what leads to you getting promoted. And there are too many, especially women coming back from maternity leave, trying to prove themselves again, working extra hard. And the end result is you're burnt out and someone who is great at other things for example managing their brand gets promoted Mm. next to you and then we look at the system Mm. so we know line managers are critical so we have workshops with the line manager we know if you are married or have a partner actually there's a lot of research that your partner's conscientiousness has a massive impact on your pay wow yes so and just as an example and it has an impact on other things as well and that is why we include those systems and we include senior leaders as well and I think it's obviously designed for parents but we always think about what is the magic and why does it work because then you can scale and then replicate it and we did an analysis last year with the people who had the highest impact so with the ones that mentioned the life-changing word and the interesting bit is that the difference is that they do all the basics of showing up and being present and but they experiment with mm. the learning really often. I'm sure you've seen this as well in your work. So so now the whole program is really designed around these experiments. They're doing like quick, small, five-minute experiments after each small session. Anyways, I'm going into too much detail. I do apologize. But you asked me the no, question. About, I assume that you obviously worked with the individuals about their own circumstances and their mindsets and their experiences and their ambitions. But I was curious to hear about how do you help them think about and address some of the organizational barriers 
that are in the way, right? Because we might be able to have influence over some things and have agency, but there are also some things out there in our organisations that can genuinely stop us from getting in and getting on in our careers. So it's really interesting to hear that you bring in the line managers and you bring in senior leaders and also that you bring in other halves because I've heard that particular point about the conscientiousness and making a really good choice in terms of your other half when you're raising kids because it has such a massive impact on how easily you navigate your work life and they can navigate theirs. I've heard CEOs who've been single parents talk about that a lot as well, saying actually picking the right life partner is just really critical so that you can have those conversations that you need to have day in, day out to manage the points of tension, the challenges, etc. So it is really interesting to hear you talk about that. So coming back to working parents and some of the things that do really help them progress, what are the things that they clearly say are things they find challenging? And do you reference some things that can help people make faster progress in their careers? Can you bring that picture a bit to life for us? So we've also just done a big piece of research where we did ask people, actually, what are your challenges around this working parent issue? What exactly is the barrier? And the interesting bit is that organisation culture is a big thing, but what it practically looks like is that working parents often do not have examples or realistic examples of how you can be a present parent or a happy parent to an extent and a senior leader. So if a senior leader has children, they either seem to be someone who works extremely long hours and never sees their children Mm. or if they don't and they are working flexibly it's often informal flexibility and they can't see that that path because it seems to be completely impossible Um, and I think there's something around that we have got in our report some really simple recommendations of how you can do that we know that workload and being overwhelmed with work is a real challenge and that has come very clearly out in our research. So in our research, we've got some recommendations for employers, what you can do, but also we obviously support parents in often imperfect environments, just as society is not geared up for working parents. And so we are supporting them to manage their workload in a really practical way to make sure that they're still seen as a high performer, even though they are saying no to things, just basic things like what type of things do you say yes to and what are the promotable tasks or the non-promotable tasks and and actually women as an example are more likely to be asked but also to say yes to those non-promotable tasks we're recording this around the festivity season so i'm be interested in how many women have been asked to organize the christmas lunches if that's what you're celebrating yeah that's really interesting to hear and i love your point about the lack of both realistic but also visible examples because it might be that there are senior people working flexibly in your organisation, but it's just not terribly visible to others Mm. that that's what they're doing. And they may not be talking about how they do it. And just knowing how someone else at a more senior level to you is managing it can be immensely helpful, isn't it? Just to hear them say, well, actually, this is what I do. Mm. This is what works for me. And And here's how I manage people's expectations about when I'm going to be in and when I'm not going to be in. Mm. 
Yeah, and you mentioned an important word, which is flexibility, which we haven't talked about yet. And I think there are two dimensions of this. So one, from an organizational perspective, in our research, we found a lot of people have informal flexibility, but they're right to that. So be, for example, being able to leave at 11 o'clock to take your child to a doctor's appointment, that's usually okay and agreed with your line manager. But because you have that understanding with your line manager, you then think you can't get that same informal flexibility in a more senior role and that prevents people from applying and so with our program we actually look at how do you make sure that you do get that informal flexibility how do you agree that and so on that's very important but also most of the senior roles are advertised full-time and not Mm. flexibly so that needs to change very clearly that's preventing people from applying and our research shows that the big parent career progression report is on our website youthsplus.org but while that isn't changed yet we also need to support parents to negotiate and to craft those roles themselves. And at the moment, we see that a lot of parents decide already before even thinking of role. They, they, they see a role advertised full-time and they decide not to go for it yeah. because no one has shown them that actually you can negotiate. Um, and I'm not, not trying to say fix the working mothers, fix the parents, not at all. But that's why it's really special to have people together from same and different organizations to think through some of these challenges because if you're a working parent and you're trying to be in a senior role you are usually a trailblazer and that's hard and you need 100 people around you yeah i think that's such an important point and great to hear that you give people the skills and confidence to go negotiate the right kind of flexibility if they are going to go for that next promotion because i totally agree by and large most senior roles are full-time and well not just full-time but always on always available eating into most of your time outside of work if you're really running businesses and have big profit and losses that you manage as well so I think helping people to know how can I negotiate around this confidently is a great aspect of what you do because also in my work with employers we know that they are invariably super keen to retain those women that are at at one or two or three levels below say executive level and will actually often consider more personalized arrangements even if they're not shouting about that but I totally agree. Often somebody will just look at the job description and see what's required and draw their own conclusions before they've gone into that negotiating conversation. Mm. And I'll put a link to the career progression report you mentioned uh, in the show notes as well. So if people want to arm themselves with some of that those stats and evidence, you can look at that there. And I like what you say about the whole promotable versus non-promotable tasks you know from a perspective of thinking about how we invest our time at work and what return are we getting on that investment that's a really interesting question for me is am I spending a lot of my time on tasks or work activities that frankly aren't going to be valued in the same way Mm. and lead to bigger opportunities than a different set of tasks or activities that might much more easily open the doors that I want to be knocking on Mm. And I find the real topic of productivity is something a lot of employers are really interested in, rightly so, because the UK is one of the least productive countries in the OECD. Yeah. And I think there is something in there. Working parents sometimes are forced, not forced, but also they force themselves to work extra hard and extra long to just prove to themselves that they've still got it. 
And then on the other hand, actually focusing on some of the right things and allowing working parents to be charge of their time, that's that's what's going to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. That whole, not just flexibility, but actually autonomy over how you craft your working day, your working week, so that you can put as much energy into your work tasks, right, as you can, and know that you still have a way to manage all those life and family responsibilities. Because as I know any working parent listening to this will know, you might switch your laptop off or get home from the office and then it might feel like the next shift starts because Mm -hmm. you've got hours of childcare or domestic stuff to turn around. Mm -hmm. So coming back to you, Verena, so I loved it at the the beginning. You described yourself as quite risk averse and not a natural social entrepreneur. I mean, you've done incredibly well for someone that, that doesn't see themselves as a natural social entrepreneur and you're obviously making a huge impact for the people that participate in your programs how do you find the challenges of running a business whilst looking after three young children and having family in another country and all of that what have you learned about what works for you and what helps you get that balance right enough of the time so this is this is the place where i give all the expert advice on how how it's done well <laughs> and then confess how you can't don't do any of it yourself i'm with you on well, that i mean to be honest i think the biggest achievement is acceptance of imperfection and also if you're lucky enough obviously i'm sure every parent would say this but if you're lucky enough to allow yourself to get help i would also say just prioritizing if so a lot of people listening will be solo parents, I'm sure. I think investing in relationships, whether you're solo or partner, is really important. So outside of the children. So, for example, me and my partner, we have in our diary twice a month that we go for a walk together because we don't have any family nearby who could look off. So we never have a date night, but we have a date walk. Usually it happens once a month, but even that's an achievement. Or I will prioritize uh, connecting with my friends and so on. I definitely don't have any best practice advice. But what has worked for me also is to try to get help just with the skill of parenting. Now, I definitely am not an extremely skilled parent, but the parenting is a skill. And I don't know if you, any of your listeners have friends who are teachers and who then have children. You can tell how they're interacting with their children, how they're setting boundaries and so It's a skill. So I've been very early on on parenting programs. There's some brilliant evidence-based ones and it just makes your life a bit easier if you know the basics. There's so many times where you inadvertently completely undermine yourself by breaking every single rule you ever set. And these, so I learned to do less of that. I'm still unbelievably imperfect, which my children will attest to very freely. Yeah, I, I think, to be honest, it, it is not, necessarily about the individual to make it work it's about the people around you yeah building the team and that includes your children as well doesn't it and I love your phrase accepting imperfection and I think that's also a great thing we can teach our children as they're growing up right is not to aim for perfectionism because that might drive all sorts of unhealthy behaviors and expectations and self-criticism if we think we're not doing well enough but actually saying well, there's going to be some things that I don't get round to, and that's okay. And there's going to be some things that I'm not going to shine at and do perfectly as well as someone else. And that's okay too. I think it's really healthy mindsets and conversations to be talking about 
And yeah, I, I love your example of your time that with you and your partner managed to find for walks together. My husband and I try and do something similar. People laugh at us, but we have an hour in the diary every week, what we call home planning. And we go through all the diary stuff, all the practical stuff, holiday planning, you name it. It's a very functional meeting, but it mm. totally works for us because we know we've got an allocated time and space to be doing that. And then we don't have to keep... Mm asking each other about stuff when we're trying to concentrate on other things so that really works for us and then like you yeah. we don't have lots of family nearby to help with childcare in the evening so going out of an evening can feel quite expensive by the time you factor in paid babysitters and all that or childcare. so yeah we try and make the most of the time that our child's in school and sneak off for a lunch sometimes and go mm. and go and do something together even if you say it's just a walk, walk around the nearest field for us so lovely to hear um, how you do all of that. And um, congratulations on launching and growing such uh, an impactful organisation that is really making a difference to the working parents that join your programme, but also to the organisations that they work in who are better understanding their parent employees' needs and ambitions. It's been fantastic talking with you. And uh, I will put links to your podcast as well and the your program in the show notes thank you so much for coming on the show and being a brilliant guest it was a pleasure thank you so much for having me thank you for listening if you've enjoyed this week's episode please rate the podcast online leave a review and share it with friends and if you like to watch as well as listen don't forget the videos are also on my youtube channel see you next monday have a great week and keep on being brilliant. <laughs>